0: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike's Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.
1: I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Mike Ingersoll. You're listening to the Inside Carolina radio show, sponsored by Jersey Mike's of Chapel Hill. Mike, we talked about it with uh, Buck and Jason on Sunday the aftermath sort of of that Virginia Tech ballgame. And I wanted to get your take as a player that's been in the locker room after some disappointing losses. Uh, How do you get over that? How does this team moving forward get over that? Of course, they had a spark. Fortin played well. Don't really know his status. Maybe by the time folks hear this podcast will know his status, but it did not look good. Student section was on fire. The yeah. Kenan Stadium, for the most part, was rocking and rolling. Carolina dominates uh, basically from after the first drive. between the. It's like dominating between the 20s. Carolina dominated between the first and last drives of the ball game, but couldn't get it done in the end. Your thoughts on just how do you get over it?
0: Well, you, you watch the film and you try to take some positives out of it. And you treat the next game like it's a totally different game and last week didn't happen. I mean, that's the only way you can be successful athletically, especially at, at a higher level. Um, but it's really kind of the only way you can be successful in life. Um, I mean, you, you got to have a short memory and that's something coaches talk about. It almost, you know, it sounds like coach speak. It almost sounds cliche, but it it really is the only way to approach a tough loss, at least the, you know, in in the days and, the week following the tough loss is, is you have to just act like it never happened and get back in the film room and study, you know, look at the things you did well, which there were a lot of things we did well and just clean up, clean up the mistakes and hope that, you know, the, the application of that cleanup job the following weekend will end up with a better result for you. Uh, you know, we, we did a lot of things very well in the game. A lot of the mistakes we had were, you know, physical errors, uh, focus errors, you know, dropping Daz Newsom, dropping, what were likely two touchdowns? Um, us being completely and totally inept in the red zone. Um, you know, at one point I thought we saw we had 590 yards of offense or something like that. and We had 19 points. So it, the and it wasn't it wasn't like we were in, we were not in positions to score. We just we had some boneheaded errors, um, physical mistakes, and that stuff can be cleaned up. And that's how the film should be watched. A lot of the mistakes that were made can be are, are easily fixable. And, and you take that into the Syracuse game and you hope that again the application of that cleanup you know yields a win this time
1: I think I saw a stat from somebody Carolina seven trips in the red zone 19 points Virginia Tech two trips into the red zone 22 points um, a lot of the issues and you were pretty vocal on Twitter during the ball game uh, yeah I wasn't happy and, and I wanted to get your take on some of it. A lot of the things that we saw, whether it was the false starts down there, backed up in their own end zone, yeah. or things like that, were things we've seen over and over and over and over again. And correct, I think that's what's concerning the most is that, yes, it's definitely correctable. Plenty of correctable errors, but at what point do they get corrected?
0: Well, that's that seems to be the re- the recurring theme and the recurring question you know amongst amongst at least the fan base and I'm I'm sure in the in the football center itself it is um but that's yeah, I I don't have an answer for that it's it gets corrected when it starts mattering to the players that those types of mistakes are costing games you know it's not like fedora and the staff aren't telling them stop jumping offside stop committing stupid penalties catch the ball when it hits you in the hands i mean that's those are basic football fundamentals they're they're teaching them that uh, the, guy, the guys are hearing that in the film room. They're hearing it on the practice field. It's all a matter of when they buy into it, when they take accountability for it, and realize that you know the coaches are right, and these are the things that are actually costing us games right now, and it's on me to fix it. And that personal ownership, when that happens, that's when it's going to get corrected. I can't give you a timetable because I'm not, in the, I'm not in the gray matter of each one of those guys on the field. So, best I can do for you.
1: Yeah, and I totally get it, and that leads me sort of into the leadership type thing I wanted to talk to you about. I remember, and I can't remember if it was you or somebody else we were talking to back, um, sort of when Butch Davis came in, and you know, guys like Marvin Austin rolled into the program, and we talked about leadership, player leadership. Now let's fast forward to this year. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago about the quarterback room that, um, and we see what's happened since. Uh, but that Chaz Surratt didn't really have a guy to to talk to that was older that had been in the fire. Um, so now you've got a, a football team coming off a loss like that. They've had you know they're one and four, won two Syracuse and then two Virginia, two teams that have played pretty well this year, but the leadership aspect of it, how much for you would you put on the players themselves and then how much goes to the coaches? Um, just sort of break that down your thoughts there.
0: Well, the staff is established. I mean, they've been here now, what is it? Seven years. I mean, they they're established, their program, their teaching style, the, the values and core principles that they're trying to teach to that team and to those players that that's there, that's settled. It's, it's essentially gospel at this point. Those guys have all heard it. So it's, for me, from a player standpoint, it's on the players right now. It's about buying into what the coaches are telling them. I promise with, in, terms of the, uh, in terms of the values and the core principles that that coaching staff is trying to instill in those kids, they're not telling them anything that's wrong or incorrect or that doesn't work. Um, all coaching staffs have that. Uh, they have these, you know, a lot of times you see it hanging up in a team meeting room. You know, they have their core principles and the fundamentals of being a Carolina football player or fundamentals of being a, you know, insert school mascot name, right? And it's on the players to ultimately buy into that and to own it themselves is what I was just talking about, personal ownership. It comes down to, it applies to both penalties, boneheaded mistakes, and it applies to owning your program generally. And how do you conduct yourself uh, outside of the realm of, The X's and O's, right? How do you carry yourself on the field? How do you apply those principles that your coaching staff has taught you to your performance on the field? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of extrinsic things that go into, I guess I should say there's a lot of intrinsic things that go into the end, the extrinsic end product that you see, right? The extrinsic end product being the, the, the production on the film, the, the things that are, the things that are gradable and readily observable. But there's a lot of intrinsic things that go into that. It's it's how do you prepare? And how you prepare is usually dictated by how you view yourself as a player, how you view or how how badly you want your program to succeed. Um, and and all of that typically reverts back to the core principles that your coaches are trying to instill in you because at the end of the day, what they really are, are teachers. And are you listening to your football teachers and the things they're trying to tell you that, Seemingly don't have anything to do with football, but actually, in the end, have everything to do with football.
1: Let me dig deeper, but I want to talk about Jersey Mike's a little bit, and we we've talked about Jersey Mike's a lot on this podcast. But Go Hills fifteen—that's all you need to know when you go to jerseymikes.com. You get fifteen percent off your order. It's those Jersey Mike's in the Chapel Hill area. Use the code, and it's online orders only. Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and now Chatham County Store. The new one opened last week, opened at Chatham Crossing in the Lowe's shopping, Lowe's Food Shopping Center. So what you do is you go to jerseymikes.com front slash order. shows the locations nearest you for everybody up there in the Chapel Hill, Chatham County area. Click on your order, pick all your favorite subs at checkout and enter Hills 15, get 15% off that order. Skip the line, straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. Do it for the tailgates. I think Georgia Tech might be a good time to do a tailgate on November 3rd. Somebody asked me on Twitter the other day, what about Jersey Mike's? Because we had a pig, and Mike, you should have come to that. Bowls lot, pig picking, fabulous tailgate down there. But Jersey Mike's was for lunch, and it was an easy in and an easy out. Pick it up. Get out of there. Eat well. JerseyMike's.com, front slash order, code word, Heels15. Mike, looking back at the positives we saw from Virginia Tech, we talked about him a lot. Michael Carter is a flat-out stud for this team. Yeah. The the fumble, brutal fumble there at the end, not really much he could do about that. I think he said low man wins, and he's right. The kid made a great play to put a hat on the ball, but he got a lot of yards, and he got a lot of yards after contact, but the O-line also opened him some lanes to get those yards. Your thoughts on Carolina's running game and what you've seen through this Virginia Tech game, and how going forward maybe that can help give this team some life on offense, depending on the quarterback situation. One thing I saw the offensive line do
0: well was was run into blitzes a few times. You know, Bud Foster is a uh, defensively. Everybody knows who Bud Foster is and what he is, and it doesn't really matter what personnel he has out there, how old they are, how young they are, experienced or inexperienced. Bud Foster tends to put a good product out there defensively. And Virginia Tech has good players on defense this year, but they are, for the most part, extremely young. This may be one of the youngest, if not the youngest, defense that Bud Foster has had there in Blacksburg in a long time, uh, if ever. And some of that is showing through. Some of that inexperience and that youthfulness is showing through. You know, they they were beat um, in certain areas at certain positions where they normally aren't beat. Uh, their defensive backs didn't play as well as they normally do, but – you know, that's not to disparage or discredit UNC's offensive output because the things they did in the running game very well were run into blitzes a few times. And if you can run into blitzes and you can get, every, you can get the blitzer blocked. And when I say run into the blitz, I mean, if you've got a – if you say we have a Sam single, right? Say you're running to the right, you got a Sam single, the Sam linebackers to the right, he's just shooting the C gap or he's shooting the B gap, right? And you get him blocked, there's nobody else there and if you can hit that hole if you can get that guy blocked there's usually a gaping hole there and and, and it's it's off to the races and you got a guy like michael carter with some wheels uh, you know that that kid's gonna be gone and we did that a couple of times now i'm not saying it was sam singles each time but you know, there were a couple of exotic looks that bud threw at us that our offensive line picked up and, and and held off you know held guys off long enough to where we were able to break them open a little bit it's hard to describe here in the abstract it's a lot easier to describe when i got a a pen and some film in front of me, but that that was that was a positive. And you can talk about the offensive line doing well, but at the end of the day, the running back, the guy with the ball, has to actually run the ball, and he has to be effective with the ball in his hands. And Michael Carter was, and nothing should be taken away from you know Michael's ability because the kid can absolutely run. He's got great field vision. Um, he, he he knows when to cut back. He knows when to hit front side. He knows what he knows. He knows how to play the running back position and how to run a football. And we saw that against Virginia Tech, against a, tradi- a traditionally very good defense, schematically still a great defense. It was extremely encouraging to see our ability to run the football against a team like that, you know, a, a storied defensive coordinator and a storied defense uh, like Virginia Tech. That, that was wildly encouraging. Um, you obviously wish that, you know, Michael had been the low man on that, on that attempted, you know, that near touchdown on the fumble. You, know, you wish he'd been the low man that won, and he wasn't. Um, you know, the game obviously would have been over at that point. But you know, for for the entire game, for him to make one mistake carrying the ball— granted, it was inopportune. You know, I think the kid had a had had an incredible game, and the ACC thought so. The ACC voters thought so. He's voted back of the week. Yeah, I mean, he he, he deserved it. So it's again, it was very very encouraging. The offensive line did some things that were extremely positive. They also made some mistakes, but I'm not going to dwell on those. Hopefully, they can apply the good things they did against Tech. Uh, up there in the carrier dome against a very good Syracuse team and
1: can come out with a win this week. All right. So Mike, one stat uh, or another stat from Virginia tech that was surprising to me. And I, I'd probably wager to say it hadn't happened too many times. And at least in the last couple of years, is all five North Carolina offensive line starters, at least according to the stats that inside Carolina gets played all the snaps, I believe it was 76 or 79 snaps that, for North Carolina team especially, uh, given the past couple of years' injury history, that's pretty impressive. Your thoughts there, Buck Sanders says that's exactly what you want. You want that, those guys to be able to push the whole game. Your thoughts as a lineman playing that many snaps but having that much continuity at least uh, for one game? Buck's
0: absolutely right. You do want that. It's we've talked about plug and play on the offensive line before and how it just doesn't work. And you rotate guys in and it disrupts chemistry and and messes individual players up because every guy that you play next to has a different style. It's just like any, you know, just like any other position. Just we talked about with, with Vip um, a couple, you know, a week or so ago Uh the receivers and a new quarterback and what that's like catching passes from a new quarterback. It's the same on the offensive line, you know, different players bring different things and it's, it can throw everybody off. So yeah, Buck's right. You do, you do want that. Uh, and what it also shows is that there's five guys that the coaching staff has confidence in that can go out there and play every single snap uh, at personally from a, on an individual level. Uh, I don't know how other guys look at it, but the way I looked at it was I never wanted to come out of the game. Uh, I, my rhythm would get screwed up individually. If I got pulled out of the game, for a series or a couple of plays there. And I had to go back in, you know, it would take a couple of plays to get back in the rhythm of the game because you don't really start feeling the game out until probably the second drive, maybe the third drive, you know, you got to get about eight to 10 plays under your belt before you really start understanding the rhythm of the game, the guy you're playing against, the scheme you're playing against, what they're trying to do uh, defensively from a game plan standpoint. And you get yanked out of the game or they start, you know, substituting, making changes. Well, you know, then it starts throwing everybody off. You got to come back in. You got to get reacclimated. I mean, it's not as easy as just, I was in the game. I was out for five plays. Now I'm back in. Things changed in that, in those five plays. And and it's hard to, it's hard to articulate without having, you know, for those who haven't actually experienced it, but it's pretty incredible how, you know, the feel of a game can change over the course of a couple of plays if you're not in there. And, you know, things happen very quickly uh, at at least the division one football level. I don't, I can't speak to the other levels, but um things change quickly so it's 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 very important to have a, an offensive line stay together as a single unit and have only five guys lathered up and playing the entire game um primarily because you need you need that continuity for that position group to perform well because if the you know our offense right now is it's going as the offensive line goes so it it it's it's encouraging to see the coaching staff has um confidence in you know five guys to keep them in there the whole time and there's no need to rotate anymore so um yeah i mean i think that's going to serve us well moving forward now hopefully hopefully it translates to wins but i think it's going to i think if we can keep that up it's going to translate into increased offensive productivity
1: so i think maybe one offensive holding call maybe the entire game on both teams i can't remember about virginia tech of course it was a big one uh for north carolina it negated a touchdown but your thoughts on maybe how that game was called, if 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 that's the thing. It, we've said, you know, holding happens on every play, but I kind of like when they let guys play, unless it's blatantly obvious. But uh, it seemed like Carolina's offensive line, like you said, got into a rhythm, and but for those false starts, which are totally mental, your thoughts there. I mean, they looked for a while there. Carolina had a legitimate D one Power Five college offense going on there, at least <laughs> yeah. until uh, Fortin got hurt. But your thoughts overall? I mean, in terms of the officiating,
0: I, I wouldn't want to be a ref. You can't imagine how difficult it is to try and see that stuff. I mean, I'm I'm a you know as a player, I would sit there and try and watch the game and see little tiny things, and and I would see stuff here or there, but really, your eyes tend to drift towards where the ball is. That's where you're going to see most penalties. When you see penalties called away from the ball, it's, you know, it's aggravating. It's frustrating, you know, if the penalty is against you or your team, but what it is indicative of is a ref that's doing his job and paying attention to the zone of the field. He's supposed to have his eyes in. I thought it was officiated, I I guess, fairly. Um, There's very few circumstances unless Ron Cherry is the one officiating the game. (laughs) There's very few. There's very few circumstances that I've ever complained about refs or actually blamed refs for things. that I think most games are called fairly and they do the they do the best job they possibly can. It is it's quarterback is a very tough position to play, but so is head ref. And I don't think the refs get credit you know, the credit they deserve. I mean, yeah, negating a touchdown is is a real thorn in the side. It's really aggravating and it really pisses you off as a fan, certainly as a player or as a coach, but you know, if that was the call, it was the call. And it was, I I thought it, I thought it was the right call. I mean, I don't want to agree with it, but you know, per the, per the letter of the rules, you know, I thought it was the right call. You know, the lawyer in me says, just like here in the NFL right now, you got these, you know, uh, rough the passer issues. Listen, the way the rule is written, it's being officiated properly right now. It's as a lawyer, that's, that's how I look at it. How's the law written? The law's written that you know, if you put your body weight into a guy, it's a penalty. You know, law is written that if your hands get outside somebody's frame, some tur- some jersey gets pulled, or, um, or you you impede a defensive lineman's progress towards the ball carrier, uh, in any, um, um, uh, impermissible way, well then it's likely holding. And you know, I thought they made I thought they made the right call there, and I thought they made the right calls generally throughout the game. I thought it was fairly officiated, and the refs didn't become. A factor in the game, which I think is the goal of all referees, just like just like it's the goal of all, all offensive linemen. You don't want to get called out because the only things we get called out for are bad things. The only thing, the only time you ever notice a ref is if they do something you don't like. And I thought they called the game pretty fairly.
1: Yeah, and that's where I was kind of going in my typical overwordy question. There, I, I thought uh, it's one of the few games in, especially in the ACC, where it was not a issue other than maybe that one play. But, yeah, like you said, letter of the law, they call it. It reminds me of people always fussing about whatever law it is. And I'm like, don't fuss at me. Call your state legislature. They're the ones that make them. <laughs> yeah. and, well, and my my
0: typical overwordy answer, I, I that's what I was saying, is how you just
1: summarized it. So good job. Mike, I want to ask you a, a doozy of a question about the state of the program. But first, I want to talk about HeelsTravel.com. It's the easiest way to book travel to big UNC away basketball games. Right now, hillstravel.com is offering a package to Chicago to see Carolina take on Kentucky. It's on December 22nd. Biggest games, or one of the biggest games of the entire college basketball season, right around the holiday time. Perfect gift for Christmas. Uh, take the family, take your friends. Uh, get there. Visit hillstravel.com now. Call 336-855-0060 to book it. The package includes nonstop airfare from RDU to Chicago. Transportation to and from the airport to the hotel. Two nights at the Chicago Omni right where the basketball team is staying. It's a great chance to see the Tar Heels on a huge stage against a great opponent. Check out a great city right around Christmas time. I'm telling you, Chicago is beautiful at Christmas. Michigan Avenue, You got to see it all decorated. I'm sure it'll be a fun trip. Visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book. Well, tell me this as we wrap this show. Where are you as far as the state of this program? And I know that's a broad question, but uh, like I mentioned earlier on Twitter, you were pretty vocal about um, as an alum struggling with what you were seeing, but... Yeah, you know, where where are you at this point? Midway of the season, um, it's bleak at the moment. Of course, it can always change in a heartbeat, but it it doesn't seem or feel that way. But your thoughts?
0: A positive is that this Virginia Tech game showed us that we have the talent on the roster to win games and to execute the game plans that the coaching staff is drawn up every week. Again, we had two drop touchdowns by the same guy who you know and Daz is. Daz is a great receiver. I think the kid's going to be incredible here. Um, yeah, he made a couple of mistakes. He catches those. He's off to the races. That's 14 points potentially, uh, or at least seven, depending on how you look at the flow of the game and whether you know he would have got the chance that the, he would have got the he would have got that second over the top opportunity. So that's a positive. We have the talent on the roster to be able to to win games and to be good and to do the things that you know, we expect our program to do at this point, you know, you'd want your program on the, uh, on the ACE end. Unfortunately, it, it, there is a feeling like it's on the descent; it's on the decline. And that's one thing I know you're, you know, you're, you're tiptoeing around it, but I was very vocal, you know, online this, this weekend. And, and I, and I, some of it was set out of frustration and anger, but it, you know, I, I, it's how I feel. Uh, I do feel that the program now is not trending in the direction that it should be. Uh, it's not trending in, in, it, it, it doesn't feel like the program today is better off than it was when I left it. And as an alum, you want the program to be doing better now than it was when you were there. Kind of like as a parent, you want your kids to do better than you ever did. I want the current players to be playing and winning more games and performing better than we ever did. And I don't feel like that's where we are right now. I feel like there was an apex And it was a mixed roster of, you know, recruits from two staffs. And once those recruits were gone completely and wiped from the program, uh, we started declining a little bit. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's I don't think it's a recruiting deficiency. I don't know that maybe it's a player development deficiency. I'm not sure. But what I do know is that Virginia Tech this year is not the Virginia Tech of the past. It's not. This is a point that I made. 2018 Virginia Tech is not 2001 to 2000, or we'll call them 99 to 2008 Virginia Tech. They're not, they're not 2000, they're not 2008 to 2012 Virginia Tech. Uh, They're not, they're not, they're not the program that they were. They're still a good program, but they're not anywhere near those, those. When we think Virginia Tech football, we think Orion Martin, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Vick, Michael Vick. Brandon Flowers, you know, we think those teams, uh, Vic Hall, Xavier, DB, those are the Virginia tech teams that you think of when you think Virginia tech, they're not there right now, but they're not too far off. But Carolina, where we closed the gap on them, it felt like there from about 2000 from around 2008 to 2015, 16, it felt like we'd closed the gap between the two programs after this weekend, it really does feel like that even though Virginia Tech didn't play that great and even though their program is not where they want it to be that we are still an entire program away from them now that gap has widened whereas it was being it was shrinking and that's frustrating because Virginia Tech's not Florida State and Virginia Tech's not Clemson um, you know Florida State this year aside they're not Florida State they're not Clemson uh, and if we're a whole program away from Virginia Tech who's probably the I would say the third the third best program right now in the ACC, you know, we're we're not doing great and something's got to change. And I don't, I'm not saying that's the coaching staff. I don't I, – I actually don't advocate for a coaching staff change. I think we've got – I think we won on the recruiting trail this weekend with the atmosphere that was in the stadium, which was phenomenal, by the way. Um, I think we won over some recruits that, you know, may have been on the fence. Uh, having Kelly Bryant there was incredible, and I hope that it helped, you know, maybe sway him a little bit in the Carolina direction – a coaching staff change makes all that go away. I want the staff to stay, to stay put because I I think we're going to get some talent. Uh, I think we're going to convince some talent to come here. And I want to see what the staff can do with it. Um, I also think Fedora and the staff are, they're, they're good people. And I think they're good football coaches and they need an opportunity. You know, they, some people will say, well, they've had seven years. They've had the opportunity. Yeah. Well, they've dug themselves into a hole. I want to see if they can dig themselves out. Um, a lot of good coaches have had, a lot of good coaches and a lot of good coaching staffs have had problems like that in the past, and they've been given time to work out the kinks and bring their programs back on the upswing. You know, now we might be talking 25, 30, 40 years ago, the Bobby Bowden's, Frank Beamers of the world. But those coaches were typically given a chance to drag their program out of the mud. And I'd like to see if this staff can do it, frankly. So I'm not a proponent of a coaching staff change. I think it hurts recruiting. I think it hurts player development. Um, and it certainly hurts fan morale. But you know, I don't know what the change needs to be. I think maybe some more player accountability, but frankly, you know, in some, it feels like we are an entire program away from arguably the third best program in this conference. And that doesn't mean we're number four. That means we're a program away and there's some other programs that are much closer to them than we are. So there's, there's programs in that, in that gap. I think we're a lot further down the list and I think we want to admit, and that's frustrating because there was a point where it looked like we were We were ascending towards the top, and I think we've given up too much ground there. And I don't know what the answer is to fix it, but it needs to get fixed because the alumni are not happy. And I'm saying that as an alum.
1: Good stuff, Mike. Well said. I will leave it there. I think uh, all points you make are valid. I'm not sure our listeners or our inside Carolina readers will all agree with you, but uh, there's points on either side, and I agree at this point. I'm not sure what uh what to do to improve it. There needs to be some Titanic shifts in a lot of ways. And I'm not sure just swapping out guys wholesale makes that happen. But anyway, we'll talk about it a plenty, I'm sure. Carolina and Syracuse this weekend at noon or a little afternoon and and then Virginia and then Duke and NC State and who knows what we'll be talking about. Uh, by the time those games are played but Mike I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join me and I hope we'll talk again soon man yeah man thanks for having me
0: thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEALS15 go to jerseymikes.com slash order now